for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Can you believe it? It's our 50th episode. And you definitely don't want to miss this one. For those grinders itching to see our best day scenarios for October, Joe's doing an episode dedicated to just that. And you can catch it later this week. But for our 50th episode, we wanted to celebrate you, our grinders. On today's show, we will cover topics and questions inspired by you. Tips on hunting with kids and being successful. Mental fitness tips for your elk hunt. An introduction to our new elk behavior database segment. Those topics, along with our elk bro shout outs. So my friends, pull up a chair. Adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to our 50th episode. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas from coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. What do you say, Joe? It's elk, it's number 50, brother. Five zero. Can you wow. believe that, bud? 50 and I'm 50, Joe. How about that, huh? <laughs> That's <laughs> what qualify I qualify for my AARP. AARP, huh? our show qualifies now, man. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, it, I just wanted, you know, Gilbert, when we started this and the first time we did it, man, I can remember how nervous we were. Oh, and, man, man no doubt. 
and then once we just started talking elk, it just kind of flowed, you know. So yes. uh, that's that's the cool thing about it. And I just wanted to make sure that we thank all of y'all out there, man. We want to thank all the listeners, all the people that go to YouTube, all the people that have given us reviews and ratings and Thanks for the positive comments that come to us. And it is awesome to see that we have, like I said, we're knocking on 4,000 cities in the wow. U.S. And we're 42 countries. and Ranked pretty high <laughs> on the Apple podcast list. Oh, man. Yeah. It, I mean, you do a search for elk hunting and boom, you know, yeah. blue, collar, uh, blue collar elk hunting comes up right in those top groups not there, to so. mention we got out into some mainstream stuff i mean these boys was in elk camp with you this year uh, i even got a personal text from wadi himself so yeah. was really cool to get elk bros in front of some mainstream stuff I, you know i think that's cool everything you know and it was really neat what's so cool about the whole thing is is i just know him as michael i've never even known him as as wadi just uh, another sure. hunter and just great guy so for sure um, Tom McMillan, too, who was with him, was just yeah. fantastic, man. What a great individual. So that is awesome. And there's been – and, Gilbert, we know it's been an evolving process. And one thing we want to make sure we tell you guys out there is it is so important for us to stay who we are and to do what we do. And there's going to be things that we do that other people might not, and, and which is cool, which is fine because, you know – this is all based on our experiences and we are just going to give you our experiences. We're not able yeah. to fake it. It's, it's things that we've seen, things we've done, and hopefully it's some things that can help you. And at the same time, there's still things that we take for granted. And I think this is actually helping us to help you by having to remember some of this stuff and trying to break it all down and to give you the best things. But Y'all, y'all benefit from our coaching background. You really do. Yeah. And you know, Joe, I can't, I can't thank you enough for my surprise, which was the last episode uh, with Chav. I mean, all of the cool things that y'all talked about from y'all superstitions to everything <laughs> else, the shirts and the underwear y'all were, oh, you didn't talk about underwear. But the, I mean, everything, you know, your killing kit. I mean, all of that stuff is Man, that's precious. You know, it's precious and it's real. It's 100% authentic. You know, I've lived it for the last 10 years. I've been so lucky to be able to hunt with you guys for 10 years. And, and I, I, I apologize that. because really I was a little bit distracted during that show. Uh, I, I hope it, it came out the way that we wanted to. But, you know, with knowing what Chad was going through, I was really trying to read his body language. I, most of the people don't know that you know, he was sitting there in a wheelchair. In fact, he had a back brace on, looked like he was wearing a backpack. And, Did, yes, sir. Yeah. And so it, it, it was really tough for him. And, you know, he had been up for a long time. So I was a little bit, some of the He's things I was kind of jumping through, trying to actually get us there and hope that we could wrap one up. I thought it was awesome. It hurt him Wouldn't have known, more have known it unless you said anything. Well, that's awesome. So. And those, those people out there, a lot of you that, you know, sent in stuff and said, yeah, it was so great to hear Chav. You ain't kidding. It, it really mm -hmm. was. And I hope all you guys can feel and understand how much love there is in this group and what that man means to all of us because he's something special. And 
Big time. So, uh, you know, I want to make sure that you guys understand, too, that we're going to try to keep our, our shout-outs, our main topic, and go through all that stuff in our new product. We're going to try to do that new product segment, and we're going to try to keep all this. And I hope, Chav, forget the hope. Chav will be back with us. Yes. Everything's getting better all the time. And we're going to stop and smell the roses and get that booger on there. His voice, didn't his voice sound cool though? It did, it was, man. <laughs> it sounded real good. He looked good. Had yeah. a cool hat on. I mean, oh, look. Oh boy, oh boy, looked good, man. That I, was I, Brian from I, Pueblo that sent that hat to him. And yeah. we, and I was actually he couldn't wear both the hats. And the hat sure. I was wearing from Hit or Miss Archery mm-hmm. there in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is one of his hats as well that uh, they gave to him over there out of the kindness of their heart and said that they were sending prayers for that's, him. That's so cool. that was Neil over there. So I was, uh, wanted to make sure both of them in. Now, Gilbert, before uh, we move on to the next part here, I just want to do a yeah. little bit of house cleaning here. Uh, you guys that are on, that have gone to our elkbros.com site and you've joined our elk camp. So listen here, elk campers. All of you guys, we've got, hundreds of people that have joined this elk camp this is so cool and every week just about every week and it's pretty doggone much there i didn't do it with chavs because i wanted it to be a surprise i'll do one again next week but we send out one email pretty much a week when we have something going on with information about upcoming podcasts and other types of tips and tricks that come out to you guys so in looking, there's a bunch of people that have not even opened up their first email, Gilbert, because I think it got spammed, and a we lot of count. you never went there and allowed that to be coming into your inbox. So a lot of you are receiving, if you go in to your junk and your spam, and you look up for elkbros.com, you'll see that you have all these from the past. And if you've joined our elk camp, I want to make sure that you're not missing out. So make sure you check your email, the same email that you use when you join the camp, and make sure that you allow emails from elkbros.com to come into you. And I say to allow them from elkbros.com from that domain because it could be from INFO. And I have been sending out personal emails to a lot of you guys out there yeah. too. So just want to make sure you guys are know about that. Check your spam, ch- check your junk email. And for any of you people that go to elkbros.com and join our elk camp, love to have you. Love for you to be a part of our camp. And there's going to be some things that come along with that as we grow and blow, man, things are going to, are, are going to really get cool with that. So I try to give you some information and there's more things that I want to do with that as well. So make sure you go and check that out. All right. That's awesome, Joe. Well, Joe, you know what time it is. Shout it's time out, for our shout out, shout out, shout out. If you're new to the show, these are just shout outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. You bet. And so the first shout out is going to go to some of our grinders that have been leaving us reviews on Apple Podcasts, Gilbert, because we asked for that to happen. Dan from Pennsylvania, buddy. And some of you guys, listen, uh, I have these, like, for example, Montana, all ones. Man, it was Montana, one, 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 one. And (laughs) I I would love to have had a name and where you're located on that. So if you guys, when you go leave those reviews like that, just 
let us know a first name, first or last name, if you want to. I, I won't stalk you, I promise. Uh, now, I can't say much for Gilbert, but I right, won't. Right, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, Look, I've answered anything anybody sent me, I've answered. So, yeah. you guys, we, we just regular people here. That's we, all it is. No, but... We're nobody. You know, y'all bump me on Facebook, bump me on Instagram, or even, you know, on Elk Bros. I, I, I promise you, I'll get back at you. You betcha. And I want to thank One Ton 870. So, uh, I want to thank you guys and tell everybody else out, out there when you leave those reviews, give us a name and place, man, so we can thank you out there. Yeah. Sure. Uh, the other thing, we want to thank our top cities overall for our 50th show. From show one to this show right here, these have been the top listeners. And a little bit got shook up here in the number one spot, Denver. I was going to say the big D, but you might have got, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you what, the big D, Dallas, it you know, who in. was way down there on the list, has really yeah. been picking up speed. And I think they're like 80 downloads behind Denver wow. now. So they've, That's cool. those guys are really listening over there. Seattle, Washington is third on the list now. That's and cool. really blowing me away, being fourth on our list, Chicago, Illinois. Man, the heart of the central Midwest, huh? There it is. You know, Chicago, I was really, I was, I was just so flattered that those guys out there were, were listening to us. And then uh, fifth on our list right now, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Those are the top five That's out, cool. of, out of almost 4,000 cities right now. So they're the ones that are course they got numbers and everything like that but it's nice yeah. to see a lot of those guys are getting out or interested in getting into the woods so uh now going for our last week's top listeners up first home to the national peanut festival now i was surprised at this because i'm from south carolina but i would have thought it would have been a south carolina peanut country mm-hmm. yeah yeah but home to the national peanut festival the nation's largest is held Every fall to celebrate the harvest season, it has grown from the initial three-day event in 19 – this is when this started, man, 1938. It was a three-day event. Today, 10-day event, Gilbert. Man, I wow. mean, it's something else. With attendance upwards to 160,000 people, this is one huge and fun-filled festival in – and I had never heard of this city, so I, I'm, I'm – Huge Elk Grove shout out to Dothan, Alabama. Dothan, Alabama in the house. Roll Tide. (laughs) There you go. Roll Tide. Yeah. Well, Joe, our next city, home to an incredible 33-acre community park. This city is located just three and a half miles north of Vancouver and is named in 1885 for the great tracks of fruit trees there in Orchards, Washington. Orchards, Washington. Yes, Man, I tell you, just the name alone right there makes you want to go visit that place, right? Yeah. Hey, thanks, Orchards, for listening. Uh, and all y'all Washington listeners, we've got, man, uh, Vancouver's been a huge listening base over there. That's cool. Up, up next, named for four brothers who homesteaded in the area in 1863. And what was funny about this was they list three of the brothers' names, and the fourth one is unknown. So oh, wow. <laughs> I, I was like, Boy, that dude got left out, huh? Thrown under yeah. the bus. This small town on Colorado's High Plains is only 25 miles east of Denver and home to Long Hopes. Long Hopes, Gilbert, if you need a place that you need to get a donkey, want to 
keep a donkey, want to get a donkey trained, this is your place. A premier wow. donkey rescue rehab and rehoming charity. The first accredited U.S. donkey rescue in Bennett, Colorado. Wow. Yeah. So they, they take and rehabilitate burros, huh? Yeah. Donkeys. Yeah. I, you know, here in, in West Texas, in uh, the Davis Mountains, they have wild burro ropings. And you can go out there certain times of the year and go rope these wild burros. And uh, right. it's wild. Uh, they live wild like Mustangs do in West yeah. in the in the mountains in West Texas. So people well, don't you, think that Texas has mountains, but we do. Well, you, those, those out here in Philmont, they have those burros and you can see them with that cross on their back. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and there's, there's some legend behind that, you know, that that cross is put on those burros back because they, uh, they gave the ride to the Virgin Mary. Right. So that's, right. that's, that's one story behind that. And some people, you know, I had one fella told me said that that's why they never die. And I'm like, say what he says <laughs> have you ever seen a dead one <laughs> so, yeah. oh, okay well you got me on that one <laughs> come to think i grew up on a farm it was lots of farmers that had them because you know they're much uh they're like a, a guard animal for cows and uh -huh. for sheep and goats i mean they will not let a coyote around around a sheep or a goat i mean really they are, wow yeah and they bray at any kind of danger so they are very they, they use them as they call them watch donkeys here in texas and i mean a lot wow. of people have them now to guard their sheep and cows and uh, they won't let a cat or uh, any kind of coyote around them so well um, yeah i've never seen one dead i can tell you that and i've seen a lot of horses dead yeah i've never seen a donkey. i've never seen a donkey dead I'd i mean like we have that. them that'd all be, around over here that'd be something to check out see what their yeah. life expectancy is yeah well, uh, I know one thing. They're a very intelligent animal. They're stubborn as hell, but they're intelligent. They're not sound like, like a horse. You sound like you need a donkey, so just know uh -huh. you can go to Long Hopes in Bennett, Colorado. Okay? No doubt. <laughs> Joe, up next, known as the energy capital of the world, this city provides nearly 35% of our nation's coal, or lignite for you geologists that are out there. But if any of you gun-toting fishermen be warned, it's illegal to use a firearm to fish in this state, <laughs> to fish in this state, and failing to close a fence behind you could get you charged with a misdemeanor, with a fine up to $750, Joe, to not close the gate. Are okay. you serious? This got to be Gillette, Wyoming. Gillette, Wyoming in the Gillette, house. Wyoming, yep. Hey. Thanks for listening, you guys. But let me tell you what, man. These boys take, number one, their fence is getting closed. Seriously? Yeah, man. Don't, and, and, don't close a gate or a fence. You and you got to figure out what point did they have to create a law to keep people from shooting the fish with the gun. Wow. I, don't, I don't know. Ain't man, no. Even the late, great Carl Gamage wouldn't shoot a fish with a gun. <laughs> he loved to fish, too. <laughs> now, I'll stick a dynamite. Yeah, huh. you know, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, in this city, just outside of Baton Rouge, you will find one of the only remaining jazz joints with red beans and rice to die for. Want to experience a great juke joint, great food, and great blues? Then head to Teddy's, y'all, in Zachary, Louisiana. Ooh, boy. Zachary, Louisiana. I guarantee. <laughs> uh, there was an old comedian named Justin Wilson that was uh, from 
uh, Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. And, uh, anyway, that whole state, guys, if y'all have never been to Baton Rouge or Lafayette or Nolens or any of that, those people know how to cook and how to party, let me tell you. And oh, man. After LSU won the natty, oh, my Lord, have mercy. It's been oh, going I- for three <laughs> days down there, Joe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. All of whiskey in Baton Rouge. I promise oh, it's gone. I'm trying to figure out how them boys ended up with a home game like that, man. <laughs> oh boy, I'm telling you, that was it was tough. But you know, I got to give it to them boys out of South Carolina there in Clemson. They came to play, and uh, yeah, they yeah. they proved to everybody they belonged. Yeah. You know, it's okay. just you know, LSU's a very talented group of young men. Oh, I, and, uh, old coach, man, fantastic. just love to hear him even just talk, man. He gets me excited. Just he, he does just, me too. Rah, rah, rah. I like the cookie monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, all right, Gilbert. So I'm just going to jump right into our first topic. Um, Please and, do. And all of uh, these, these two topics that we have were actually, uh, like we said, they were inspired by some of our listeners that had sent some questions in, and, and I thought they were just awesome. The first one that we're going to talk about comes from a uh, shout-out to Benjamin Brooks in Vancouver, Washington. And I thought this was a dynamite question, and I think it's going to really uh, – I, I think it hits home with you. Uh, it hits home with a lot of us. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, when I when – I, we do the Instagram for elk bros. And when we go through and like things, I tell you just about anything I see with a kid in it, you know, I'm, I'm liking it because there are future, man, there are future of this legacy of what we do. So his, his question was, he says, I would like to pass a legacy of hunting elk onto my kids. My son is 10. My daughter is 12. Do you have any tips for hunting with young kids and still being successful each year? Now he's asking this because he used to hunt with his dad at one point in time and then kind of, you know, lost, uh, you know, with life, he kind of got out of it a little bit. He says, I really want to get serious about elk hunting and teach my kids how to hunt successfully. They have come hunting with me on the last two general seasons in Washington state, but it's tough to go too far into the wilderness area with them. On the first hunt, we got two feet of snow, tough hiking. And so, you know, when it's tough like that, it could be pretty miserable for those kids. So trying to make it fun for them, but also be successful. Any tips for hunting with kids would be awesome. Yeah, man, that's, that's like my wheelhouse, Joe. Here we go. I'll let you lead us off, but brother, that's, I can, I can tell you what I do, but I'll let you lead it off, Joe. And then I'll chime in here in a second. When I think about taking your kids out, a lot of times, and and I was even guilty of this myself, in that I was so tied up in, you know how I feel, I want to bring an elk home, and I'm really serious about that, and I was so tied up in my own successes that I don't think that I really, and I have two daughters, one of them likes to hunt. Uh, and is an incredible shot, has killed a couple elk with me. My other daughter, I probably ruined her at the age of four, mm. but but she's a little more like her mom. She's not uh, so much wanting to go out and do that kind of stuff. You, you know, she supports it, and, and she, she is proud of what I do. But I think I was way too wrapped up in my wanting to be out there and and not wanting something to go wrong and not wanting to miss an opportunity that I honestly feel like 
I did not include my kids enough at a younger age. Now, they were really involved with sports, but so was I as a coach. So that's no excuse. And, you know, then I come along years later when my kids are a little older and I started to actually, you know, get my daughter when she was uh, my oldest. She wanted to go hunt and uh, for a cow elk, shot her first elk. I believe she was a freshman in high school at the time. But, you know, when I met you some 10 years ago, Gilbert, and now I, I didn't have that kind of situation like you did uh, in in the style and the ranches and things like yeah. that. But, you know, I just saw the different ways that from a young age, how you in, involved your, your kids and what you did. And, and I, honest to God, I, I, I felt, I felt proud of you and I felt ashamed of myself (laughs) and uh you know because of that I think that's why now like I said when I see people involving kids and that's why I actually do have some ideas for this and because I feel like these are things that as a coach now with what I've done with kids throughout from younger age going up, things that I've done and how I understand things in perspective now at my age, some of the things that I would have done. And I did do some of these a lot with my kids, not in the hunting realm, but we did it in the camping realm and the hiking realm. And I involved them in the outdoors with that. But like I said, I, I think one of my great, uh, when I look back, if I could change anything, I, I, I there's some things I, I would definitely have changed in. And if I could uh, uh, apologize to my own kids for my lack of perspective at the time, you know, I, I think I was very selfish. I really do. So, well, Joe, they don't come with handbooks. <laughs> they don't come with a manual that we can read. I can tell you that. So, no, you know, g- give yourself a break, brother. And, you know, you did the best that you knew how to do, how you were raised and everything like that. So, look, I'm, I guarantee you kids love to spend every minute they can with you. They love you. and uh, But it's really cool that, you know, we come from a background where we can all learn, you know. Sure. And, and what a great question from uh, Mr. Brooks. Yeah. For me, for me with my kids, Joe, it was never about hunting. It was just right. about spending time together and, in the blind, and, in the woods. And man, I packed them a lunch. I packed them all kinds of goodies and snacks and chips that made noise and bags yeah. that made noise. And they blew my grunt call to it seized up. And I never made it about me being successful as a hunter, but I got to tell you, I killed a lot of stuff with them doing all that crap, right? <laughs> yeah. So I knew that a lot of the things that I'd been taught as a young man from my grandfather, it, it, it made me a better hunter, no doubt, but it was some of it was unnecessary. So sure. I just wanted my kids to enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the experience. Uh, and, you know, there's a time for me to be serious when I'm on a hunt by myself or sure. something like that. But when I'm with them, man, I try to make it, about them absolutely and that's the whole thing and that's that's the whole reason gilbert that that uh man you can remember how many times i sent texts to you about you know how proud i was of you as a father man every all the time still today 
yeah. you know, what a great dad. I mean, look what you're doing with them. I, I mean, and look, I can't take full, full credit for that. Uh, I was evolving as a hunter and then I've got a, a close friend of mine named Jerry Beardmore uh, who let me in on some of that. Listen, man, make it about them. And, and these kids are capable of harvesting animals at a very early age. If you can get them schooled up on how to, how to use a weapon. Look, my son Logan is a very accomplished uh, young hunter. Oh man! Uh, and he's killed bull elk. He's killed cow elk. He killed his first elk when he was 10 years old. And with the late great Carl Gamage, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Carl right. laid him on his first elk he shot him at 284 yards with a seven millimeter magnum that was way bigger than he was uh so but it was never going to be about me it was about spending quality time with my kids and teaching them a few things but their attention span is real short joe you know they're only going to get so much it's kind of like us coaching kids you know we can get them for about 30 40 minutes and get all we can and then after that needs to be fun you know. And see, that's where I think, and this is where my suggestion is going to be to, be to Benjamin, is that there, there's things that you can do that are all part of the hunting journey to make this fun for your kids. You know, being part, kids want to be a part of something. If they're just an addition that's chasing behind you and having to sit back at a tree while you do something and stuff like yeah. that, they're not a part of the activity. They're a tag along. So what I'm going to tell you, Benjamin, is the first thing you need to do is you need to make this and make them part of the team where they're empowered, that they have responsibilities. If you're going to elk hunt, and I know you're talking about going to the rifle uh, during rifle season. And I talked to I didn't talk to him, but I, I uh, sent an email to him to find out what time of year. Well, they had hunted in November when they had the snows. He's talking about October, hopefully getting out there when the conditions are a little bit better. And what I want to tell you is even, you know, cause you bow hunted Benjamin, when you did it with your dad. And I tell you, man, it's that process of doing things like Gilbert says, spending time with your kids, get them involved with archery, uh, keep them involved with the gun, go and Shoot. shoot together at the range, have discussions that make them feel like they are a part of what's going on. If you're going to go out hunting, both your kids should have a scent checker because it's not about you. I mean, Teach them. Rain finder, binoculars. Yeah, exactly. Make them a part. Make them an active participant. When you're out there, the biggest thing that people lack this day that I think a lot of us forget to teach is good woodsmanship, where you're out there and you are, again, instead of just being somebody that is just traveling through the woods with your head down and not understanding what you're doing, become an active participant, become a part of that flow of what's happening out there. Understand what's happening with the winds. Listen to the noises. Look at the types of trees. Talk about the ways that they can uh, get themselves out, understanding the time of day, understanding where they can possibly find waters, what plants are bad, what plants are edible. You know, when you have all of this stuff going on, then you're making them into quality hunters and you're taking yeah. them and making them into woodsmen at the same time. You know, teach them hand signals. Yeah. You know, that you're going to use during the hunt, communication with certain calls. 
My son them, and I have hand, hand signals that we use every time. You know, yeah, we use hand signals. He he is such a good woodsman uh, that I have to lean on him now. Some, you know, I've got fifty year old ears. Okay? <laughs> right, they can't exactly. hear like his sixteen year old ears, and I think I can. But he hears a lot of things I don't hear. So I have to, and boy, it's hard to humble yourself and go, man, that, what are you listening to? Right. <laughs> what are you hearing that I'm not hearing? But at the end of the day, he's gotten, and his eyes are better than mine in low light conditions. There you he go. He shoot a full 15 minutes earlier than I can with sure. his bow, not because he's got lighted pins, but because he can see the target better right. than I can. Right. right. So I, I just, man, there's so much to learn from hunting with your kids. The, the first thing that I did that a guy taught me was number one, if you're going to hunt with a gun, it needs to fit them. It needs to be comfortable for them to get on site acquisition, the scope being mounted with the right eye relief, them not having too long a pull where they're out of, out of pocket and the gun beating them up. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have a, a kid shooting a 300 wind mag. That's a seven or eight year old kid. You know, it needs to be something that they can handle. Mm-hmm. It fit them get them their own pack, get them their own. My, my kids have their own binoculars, their own skin and knife, their own, their own pack that they towed around with them in the woods. You know uh, I mean, and he wants to bring that pack everywhere. When he was little, he wanted to bring that pack to bed with him. And I yes. didn't care, you know, yeah. it, it, they wanted to blow the grunt call, hit the horns together. And I didn't care at all. As long as I could get them about three hours of time in that blind, they started when they were four and five years old, Joe. And right. it's hard to get them to sit still for 10 seconds, much less, you know, an hour. So we sure. started going for an hour and then I'd get down and go to camp. And then we'd lengthen that out to two hours and then we'd lengthen it out to three hours. Well, then that's the great thing about elk hunting. You don't have to worry about setting a whole lot unless that's you're right. spotting. And no then doubt. they're making them active, you know, when you do yeah. that. And if you're, if you're wanting them to feel success, remember, if you guys are a team, any success is going to be a success for all three of you, your son and your daughter. And I can tell you that both of them at that age are perfect ages to get involved with you right now. No doubt. And, and in order to make it fun, I, and the wilderness stuff is good, but if you got into archery, and you had a little bit better time of year where you didn't have to worry about. Now you can still get conditions in the mountains that you got to prepare for. And that comes no with woodmanship too. Sure. But that's something where you guys could actually even go out in those times of year, um, get around elk, learn where the elk are, learn their elk behaviors together as a team, uh, learning and keeping all three of you on the same journey. Because really, Benjamin, you're on that same journey with you. You know, you're on the same journey by yourself right now. And if you have those two join you, here's what I got to say to you. I want you to think about it this way. And, and this is really ringing home with me is that if you take them on your journey and make them part of yours right now, then a little bit later on, when you get up in years, they're going to take you along their journey. And it's going to be even more special time because it's going to change a little bit. Now, yeah. Pops is going to be the one who might be a little bit slower up there or, or yeah. you know, and it, it'd be so cool to have that relationship throughout that. But uh, I wouldn't you, take anything for the relationship that I built with my kids through hunting. And fishing. Oh, I, right. it Nothing. will ripple into eternity. You know, yeah, I, you know, my grandpa used to say, if you take a kid hunting and fishing, you won't ever have to look for him when he gets older. You'll there know you go. right where he's at. 
you know, and, and listen, Benjamin, you're doing the right thing, brother. Stay the course, you know, stay the course and make it fun. Uh, kids love food, man. And when you make it, you know, you have steak night or whatever, whatever their favorite food is, whatever their favorite candy is, don't get caught up so much on being successful is be caught up on being a success and helping them have fun and remembering, man, we want to go elk hunt with dad. Yeah. And get your situation in a situation where you, you know, you guys get just the first one under your belt. Like you can remember shooting cow elk when you were a young kid, get that first one under their belt. And there's something else to do too, is you guys can actually extend that into small game. You get those kind of successes out there hunting small game together, uh, whatever small game or birds or anything. If you like to hunt ducks, I'm not sure of everything that you guys have. I don't know if you have grouse like we do over here. There's different things, rabbits, squirrels that you guys can hunt together and bring it to your table and have that and teach them the full circle. And it's all of that is related in all these lessons because this is what this is all about. It's about us passing on a legacy and learning yeah. how to do these things the right way and why we do them. So the other thing I would tell you too, Benjamin, is is I, I would actually do where I'm camping with a truck. And if you have a tent outside, it's fine. But I would do something where I have a camp that I'm kind of camping with a truck there, drive to an area and hike out and come back to the truck. And where I have a dry place to go, a nice little camp to go in the evening where you guys can do the the marshmallows, the s'mores and develop your own traditions and and have a great time, you know, so. uh, Such a great question. Yeah, it's it, and it, near and dear to my heart. Let me tell you something. This year, right before Joe killed his bull, we run into a hunter and his son, and I got oh, choked yeah. up. Pat? Just and little yet. Pat. Little mm-hmm. Pat. He was out there giving it his all, and they got the slip off of one. Listen, I was generally touched by dad being out there and son pushing dad and dad pushing son. Ten-year-old, I believe, or 12, somewhere in that neighborhood, Joe. Right, that right, right. It was amazing. He, he was 11 years old. 11 years 11 old. 11 years old, yep. Pat and his son out there putting the miles in and working extremely hard. Look, that was the situation where we called them in and we could have been really aggravated at that situation. (laughs) As soon as I saw that young man, listen, he had my, if he's going to go after those bulls, go. Right. I got no problem with that. He was carrying the binos, but he was was decked and he he had shot at something and missed it or hit it. I mean, it was so cool to see dad out there soaking that in. And And that was exactly doing that. That was exactly what Pat was doing, was driving to a spot with little Pat, and they were not hiking that far out, really. And as they get better at it, then you can extend that. It's like Gilbert talking about the blind and sitting at a blind. Same thing with a hike. You know, you're going to start out with this much of a hike and doing some hunting, then you extend that the next time, you know, because those – after a while, you're going to have a hard time keeping up with them. And there there was one more thing that I wanted to add to this, too. Benjamin is this when I talk about making them the team I'm not sure how good of an elk caller you are yeah so I would man I would make sure you uh little Benjamin uh and your daughter uh I would have uh all three of y'all learning this together because man I tell you what how cool 
how awesome would your daughter feel if they had to set up with you and her brother up there and she's back in the back and calls in a bull for you or yeah. stops a bull for you to get a shot or your boy stops a bull for you or your daughter to get a shot because they have that capability. And I tell you what, they have is they can learn to call a lot. I mean, it's like learning foreign languages, man. They can yeah. learn it if not quicker than you because they don't have the hangups. They're just going to have fun, exactly. you know, and then, the three of you guys go to an elk calling competition, you know, yeah. do those things. You kinds drive of your wife clean out of the house, man, <laughs> like I do mine. She's like, oh my God, it's that time of year. You got, you're driving the neighbor's dogs crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Y'all so, gonna have a, y'all gonna have a blast, man. Yes, you are. Yes, Seriously. you are. So I, you're you doing know, the right things, brother. Keep at it. And Benjamin, I hope we helped you with that. Uh, if, if there, if, there are more questions out of our answer that you got, send them in again, because I tell you what, every, every listener that we have out there that has got one, I don't care from, you know, they're two months old to, you know, 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, it's never too late to get your son or daughter involved. involved. And if there's questions out there about that, let's talk about them because that is the future of this that is our legacy your son your daughter is the future of this legacy so uh i and i tell you what uh i i announced i'm going to be a grandpa and you know people have said that you know well if that's a uh if you get a grandson man we know that boy's gonna be in the woods i got news for you this man is not going to mess up again and, you know, uh, I, it doesn't matter to me, granddaughter, grandson, uh, if they want to do this, I, I will be teaching them woodsmanship, just like I did. My daughter taking them sure. out there. We, we love being out there. And, but I, I really hope to pass a lot of this along. And, uh, you know, I hope I, I make it to that point. Uh, but if I don't, you know what, y'all, we got these recordings and I hope, uh, you know, future uh, little Bean there, if you're hearing this in the next 16 years, uh, you know, I think you can tell what passion I have and, uh, man, go after it. So, yeah. all right. Uh, go ahead, Gilbert, say something, man, before. No, I... no, hey, man. <laughs> I feel the same way. It was very, it was very special for me to get my kids involved in an early age. I didn't get to get involved that soon in my life, but right. Jared Barrymore convinced me to do it. And yeah. he said, make it about them. Uh, I, you know, there come a day when hopefully I have a grandchild as well. Uh, and I can't wait to be my, my <laughs> grandfather was my biggest hero and my best friend. And he taught me a ton of stuff about hunting and fishing. He loved to fish and he loved to hunt. I wish he was here every day. He'd have been right here in the Elkwoods with us. And, you know, he'd been telling us how to do everything. And uh, he'd have been right, by God. Yeah, so, there you go. At, at the end of the day, man, Benjamin, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Make it fun. Make it about them. Uh, you know, if it gets tough and gets hard on them, they, they're going to get discouraged. So try to try to make it as, as hey. easy as you can until they start getting more and more. I, I mean, listen, I did it with my son. You know, I couldn't take him out there in freezing temperatures because his feet get too cold. You know, I'd wrap him up in blankets and put a heater in the blind with us if I had to just so he could sit with us a little bit longer and now that young man's out walking me. 
You know, yeah. I, I watched him this weekend. We went bow hunting. He killed a hog and he missed a turkey, got him a new bow. But I watched him this weekend and every time I'd look up, he's out in front of me. Usually he's <laughs> right. behind me. Yeah. Along yeah. He's out in front, right? Yeah. So he's 16, fixing to turn 17. He's a man, you know, he, he truly is. And before you blink, Mr. Benjamin, they're going to be grown. So yes, sir. enjoy your time with a man. It happens enjoy fast. Enjoy your time. Does. It happens fast. And I, and I just, from one thing Gilbert said, I'm, I'm going to end on this is that uh, 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 make sure they understand that it's okay to communicate, teach them to communicate with you. If, you if their feet are cold, they need to tell you and it, and yeah. it's safe and it's okay for them to tell you that. You and if your kids learn that to have those discussions about, you know, what they want, what they feel, what they're thinking in that environment like that, then you're going to find that they're going to communicate with you even better in their older years. You betcha. Cause I'm telling you, I put my son up in the tree with me in October and the mosquitoes were bad. <laughs> I looked over at him. He was hot, dude. He was mad at me for staying. <laughs> Look, man, I can sit through a nuclear Holocaust. to hunt. Right? I'm serious. I'm pretty, I got the patience of Job and, uh, he was not happy with me. I turned and looked at him. He's curled up. I said, "What's the matter?" He goes, "This sucks, dude. This are wearing me out." Goes, you know, but he stuck it out because yeah. he knew his old man was going to stick it out, right? So I, I said, "Well, guess what? I, I want him to want to hunt in those times." I got me sure. a thermosel. Yeah. Can they? Can a deer smell it? I don't give a damn. If deer can yeah. smell it. Right. Yeah. We can hunt and he won't be eat up in mosquitoes. So, you know, we got us a thermosel. So, uh, again, it's all, I try to make it always about them. And I'm not as good at it as I used to be. You right. know, I have to, that whole thing right there, I was like, man, man up, boy. You know, I yeah. was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> crying rag out. You know, this is how we hunt. And uh, <laughs> well, you he, know, made and me, he made me realize that, uh, you forgot the thermosel. <laughs> I'm like, well, you, and you, guys, too. <laughs> you guys are at that point where you can have them discussion. He's now your hunting yeah. partner. He is so, 100% my hunting cool. partner. All right, so we're we're going to move on, and and Benjamin, uh, thank you so much for that, man, and and you we bet. look forward to more questions. The next one was inspired by Clint Whiting out of Pueblo, Colorado, and Clint, uh, thank you, buddy. Big shout out to you, bud. And uh, he sent he actually texted me this, and he said. Uh, oh, I think it was on Instagram, and he said, I wanted to mention that mental strength during the hunt is critical and something that isn't talked about. It's a lot harder, and, and, and you know what he means by this, to brand that aspect compared to fitness or shooting skill. In other words, there's a lot of people that are, are, are branding that to teach people about shooting skills and to teach them about fitness, but there's not a whole lot being talked about about the mental strength, the mental toughness. So the question basically is, how do you develop mental fitness that gives you the best opportunity for elk hunting success? And first thing before we jump into this, Gilbert, I, I want everybody to know that we're going we're gonna to hit on this a little bit now and talk a little bit about it. But up in the spring and throughout, as coaches, Mental fitness, mental toughness, confidence, belief in oneself is going to be a big thing throughout that you're going to hear from us in our phase all the way up until this hunt in 2020, because that's our job as coaches. So uh, do you want to dive into this first, Gilbert? 
Yeah, for sure. So look, Clint, uh, great question. Uh, for me, that, that uh, aspect of uh, mental toughness, it starts with my faith, brother. Uh, I want you to know that. Uh, I have a faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that he's with, he's with you. Who could be against you? Uh, so I, I run it life like that, right? So for me, that mental toughness comes from understanding that I'm equipped. The good, the good Lord gives us all the tools we need to have to get past issues in our life or circumstances or whatever. But for me, it's to dive into that faith and, and understand that, look, I've got the tools to figure it out. Right. I just need to maybe dive into, you know, a little something with a brother of mine, like Joe, I call him up, maybe where there's a will, there's a way Gilbert, right. Uh, you know, through, through Christ, all things are possible. I believe all of those things. So for me getting mentally tough in an option, it's part of my life. It's part of who I am. Uh, right. and I think it makes, it gives me a mental edge that a lot of people that don't have that kind of faith, and I'm not saying you got to believe in God or you need to be a Christian. I think it might help if you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I know what it does for me and my inner faith to be mentally strong, to face these. And look, I, everybody, if life hits you in the face with a crappy mop every day, you know, so at the end of the day, being being sound mind and having that faith, it, it, it helps me get uh, mentally tough, right? Because I don't believe there's anything out here to really defeat me unless I give into it, you know? Uh, and I truly believe that every time I step in the woods, like with Joe, I feel like every time Joe and our boys step in the woods, there's danger coming at those animals, right? <laughs> so we believe that we can do it. Right. Even though we might have a flat tire or mule won't start or, you know, <laughs> all of those things that could stack against you. The guy's got cancer. You know I mean? At the yeah. end of the day, it's about facing our fears and doing it anyway. And that's what my creator uh, wants me to do. And he's given me the tools to do it. So I don't back away from any of those challenges or, 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 uh, effects. And I don't talk about um, a whole lot about my faith other than, man, that's what I believe. And it drives my inner strength, right? My inner, my inner being, you know? So that's all I can say, man, is lean on your faith, brother. And the more you dive into that, I promise you the mental aspect, you're going to be tough. Yeah. I, that's how I feel about that, Joe. Well, dang, I, that's a tough one to follow right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, well, I could have talked a lot longer, Joe, but you know they pay me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I had a, I lost my dad young, and my father uh, gave me a gift. And the gift that he gave me was there was not a day wasn't a day until the age of 13 probably that I didn't have him tell me if there's a will there's a way you know he always said where there's a will there's a way and you know I learned that this world doesn't stop for us 
It doesn't stop for us. It doesn't feel pity for us. Mm-hmm. That's like if 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 we if if we were an animal out in that woods, uh, man, it, it's up to us sur- to survive. It's it's all about a mental state. And one thing that that I've always had, I think, from losing my father at a at an early age and understanding that. It doesn't do any good for me to give myself a pity party that the world's going to go on that the the best way for me to do is to do for myself at times. And if there's an obstacle, you see, I think as a track coach, my favorite people on my team were herders. One of them, you know, sure, uh, sure. and they always had an is, obstacle in front of them. Always had an obstacle, man. They chose to go over obstacles, and I just like those kinds of people that, when you have something in front of you, you can see it as an obstacle or you can see it as an opportunity. And when I see something in front of me, I, I've never been good at at hearing the, the word no. I'm just, I'm just not built that way or, my for, vocabulary. Or, 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 or to say I can't do something. In fact, yeah. when I coached, that was an illegal word on our team. Right. That just meant you weren't going to try or you weren't going to find a way. And I really, my competitive spirit inside me thrives on finding a way, Yeah, finding a way to get something done. I have, I, I call it, because of something that happened in my life, you know, after my father died, it wasn't a year later that my stepdad brought home a unicycle. And there were six kids in our family. And he brought that unicycle and he put it out there and, and he showed it. And we were all, everybody, all the kids were like, wow, wow, it's a unicycle. We don't seen that in circuses and everything yeah. like that. And, and Not I looked at that and, and, oh, no. And he said, you know, I'm here it is. Uh, I have a feeling after a week, none of y'all be trying to ride it again. So, and you know what? He, uh, he was right on five out of the six, but, uh, <laughs> there was I, this little boy named Joe. <laughs> I tell you what, dude, I cut up my ankles. I tore up my knees, but before I was done, I was riding that puppy on gravel roads, up hills around our block. I mean, so I like to think that I call it a unicycle mentality because of that. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that when a challenge comes out there, you rise to the occasion. Like I said, you see it as an opportunity. Mental fitness, mental toughness is really, it's, it's a mindset. And, and what it is, is this understanding that the only person that can handicap you is yourself. Absolutely. Right. And I look at guys, you know, we have guys that we follow on online. We have the, you know, we have a, a the Utah group of uh, disabled men and mm-hmm. Tate Hale and guys like these that are out there that are, are missing legs or missing hands. And I, and I get a, I have the great opportunity to work with wounded warriors and stuff like that and guide them. And I see Myself, guys, yeah. I, we've got guys in, in wheelchairs and guys without arms and guys that are going through PTSD, you know, and different things like that. And uh, it they are continuing they they are just taking obstacles in front of them and they're just keep moving forward and like i said i i think the best thing that you can do to develop mental fitness is to have perspective take a look at people around you take a look at all those stories out there of people overcoming what other people would see as a disability Mm -hmm. you know and they are 
they are thriving and striving in life. Mm. They're not giving up. You know, I take a look at, man, I tell you what, what I have seen Leroy Chavez go through sure. in these last months, what I have watched this guy from Endure, an NCAA championship cross-country runner, a Hall of Famer at his university, a guy that just run marathons daily, man, for practice, to not being able to walk, to not being able to move his big toe, and what he's had to go through. When I look at that, I'm like, that is my armor for mental yeah. fitness right there. No doubt. You know, when I get in a position where I'm going, hey, this is hard, that's something that I think people need to do is constantly in your life find perspective. Don't let other people set that perspective for you. You find that perspective. And we're going to talk later, Gilbert, about some other things on – on uh, and, and guys, that's why we call y'all grinders because yeah. I, I think you need to take pride in being a grinder. You bet. You, you know, when somebody, when things are tough, it might not happen fast, yeah. but you know, sometimes our journey is not a sprint. It's a marathon mm -hmm. and you do whatever it takes. And it's, it's not the final outcome y'all that makes you successful. It is that journey along the way. You know, my grandpa would say a million times you ask, you have not cause you ask not. And uh, mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. He'd say that all the time. You have not because you ask not. Brother, when I hit my knees at night, I ask for exactly what I want. And it, sometimes it may not be in God's will for me to have that. But I truly believe there's a plan and a will for your life. Right. And so when things get tough on me, Joe, I really get back to, to my roots. Man, I spend a lot of time talking to the man upstairs when I'm in the Elkwoods. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel closer to that spiritual walk that I have uh, when I'm in the woods or when I'm on my boat or things like that. So look, I, I, I don't need to get off on all of that other than that's what my inner strength is. It's where that mental toughness comes from. And I can tell you that guys of that same ilk, you don't see them get blistered about trivial things most of the time because they have that inner strength. You know, sure. when things get down, they figure out a way to make it happen. You know, they figure out an intelligent solution to a real tough problem. And uh, those are, those are things because we've gone through a lot of things in life and just decided we were not going to be denied. Right. And I can yeah. tell you guys, I, I hope, uh, I hope you understand and look forward to what we're going to talk about in the future. Cause we're going to talk just about this, some different ways and different things to help you with that mental fitness, yeah. some understandings, things for you to think about things to think over. And sometimes mental fitness really has to do with, with your physical fitness as well. Mm -hmm. Not, not so much as, as much fitness as your physical condition. I mean, if you're yeah. tired, if you're dehydrated, if you're undernourished, then that equals a tired mind and a tired mind can slip on you. So yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of those things. Yeah. I think it's all intertwined, huh, Joe? It's all intertwined. In yes, that, it is. For sure. Most definitely. You You're, bet. you know, it's all about your confidence. It's all about your perspective. It's all about your physical. There's so many things that come together to create you as a hunter and, yeah. uh, Clint, I, I think you're exactly right. I think mental toughness, I think mental fitness, a lot of that. And it, 
man, it goes way beyond this. It goes to, you know. All aspects of life. Oh, man. You know, what Chab is doing right now is strictly because of his mental toughness. And I can tell you, there was a time he was so drugged up, it just had to be in his nature to continue to step forward. So, yeah, uh, yeah, most definitely. All right. So we're going to come back to that one again in a future podcast. And Clint, thank you very much. Uh, We're looking forward to talking about this, not just once, but multiple times, because I think it's something that as coaches, we want to make sure that you're mentally, physically, your skill sets, right? Uh, Your knowledge, we want to prep all of that. So uh, up next, uh, a segment that is that's new. And I hope you guys enjoy this segment, because a lot of times we talk about how for you to be successful, it a lot of it has to do with that database of, of, of hunting, of elk hunting knowledge, of elk behavior, and we want to help you with that database. So we are going to have what we call our EBD segment. That's our elk behavior database, man. And like for, it. for today, for today, what we're going to talk about is a little bit about body language, barks, and busts. And it's not going to be a whole lot because this is going to be a segment that you're going to hear. It's either going to be our Elk Bros mailbox or it's going to be our EBD segment here. So we hope you guys look for this and you wait for it and you you learn something from it. So um, the first thing in talking about body language, barks and busts, the, Gilbert, what I wanted to talk about is you're you're coming through the woods and you spot a group of elk out in an opening, whether it's a big park, whether it's a small park, and you're sneaking up, going, moving in on them. Now, most likely, guys, and hopefully you've got the wind in your favor, because if you don't, things are getting ready to, uh, you're probably, yeah, you're probably lucky if you're seeing them anyway, right? But if you're coming in, and and you've got your eye on a bull, and they've got some cows around them, and you're trying to figure out what that bull's going to do, you don't really have to pay that much attention to that bull. What you have to do is pay attention to them cows. You got to locate, and it's a lead cow that really determines what, where that bull is going to go. So be worried about the cows first. So let, let's talk about some behaviors. Number one, you're shadowing a herd. I'm going to tell you, and what I mean by shadowing a herd is, let's say that you had a herd that was in an opening and they moved up into the trees and they're basically, it's morning and they're going to a destination. Y'all, they're going to bed down. And so if you're shadowing that herd, what you're doing is shadowing them until they get bedded because it's going to give you an opportunity to hunt them boogers come midday. All right. But if you are shadowing, you have to be careful. If you're going in behind them, and you can see a herd going up there, and they start to go over any kind of rise, they almost always have a sentry, back sentry cow that'll sit back and linger and look back down that hill looking for anything following them, all right? I prefer, if I can, to get off on the downwind side and try to parallel them. Now, Yeah, and always look because you will have a back sentry. If you let that back sentry go over that hill because she will sit there for a while and just look, look, look while that herd, the rest of them, they look back and they see that. And they're comfortable. They're just going to feed because they got mm-hmm. their they got their six being checked, right? Yep. So uh, they're just going to kind of feed on. And she will stay there, stay there, stay there. And when she's confident, nothing's behind them, will turn and join the group. That's when 
you can continue up and parallel them and try to see their movement through the trees and stay at a distance where you can kind of stay in touch without being seen. But when you are approaching that herd in the open from the trees, if you have one cow that turns and stands towards you, head up, ears out, you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Not now, good. <laughs> she Not thinks good. <laughs> she the thinks she's seen something, right? Yeah. And so she's now. I, I here's here's the thing. Now you see the rest of that herd. They're still feeding, and she mm-hmm. has her ears up. You you and you just sit still, and you got the wind. You got yourself a shot. Now all of a sudden, you start seeing all these heads pop up. Oh, enjoying because her. she did a shuffle. She did mm-hmm. something with her feet, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you see all these heads up, and they've got their ears spread, and they are all zeroing in on you. You're in trouble, okay? Now, if that cow, if that cow turns and starts to walk away, and then stops and looks back, you're even in more trouble because yep. <laughs> when she turns like that, she's turning number one to see if she turned, if something, if that action of her turn has initiated that predator to come out after them. She is now in position where she can run and she can haul. If she turns, looks, and urinates and starts, man, they're getting out of dodge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if that same cow, looks up and and she's looking everything else is staying and all of a sudden she barks yeah it'll sound just like a dog yeah so if you guys don't know what a bark sounds like that's a bark has that high pitch just that like that okay and when you hear that basically she or this can happen with the bull. He has seen something move, and because of the herd mentality, everything like that, they're not sure if it's another elk. They're not sure if it's a predator. And that bark is saying, identify yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? How many times have you been there? 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> been there, done that. Holy smokes. Like. So- so holding you, your breath the whole nine yards you're like oh my god i've walked seven miles and got in the middle of this and now she's gonna ruin it all Man. so let me let me tell you what y'all if you hear a cow bark at you like that and you're up in the trees here's what i want you to do <laughs> right, right back, back at up. her right back at her and she barks you bark at her and then behind yourself maybe even give a little bit of a a, a little huff noise and and it's kind of like that's that's kind of a huff that's that's a i don't could you hear that gilbert when oh I did yeah that? yeah okay yeah. you know that they've got uh you got huffs like that off in a distance you're going to hear this this sound as well and yeah they glunk that's a bull glunking right there. And sometimes you can add some of those, making them back behind you like you hear something, and then throw that bark out again. And what you might get, you might be able to have that cow convinced, well, up in there, there's, there's some yeah. other elk up in there. Mm-hmm. It, that's something that you can, that you can do. It sure right? is hell worth a try, Joe, because I'm telling you, <laughs> all hell's fixing to break loose if you don't. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they sit there and bark. And Ugh. if you don't move, a lot of times, one or two things going to happen. They're going to settle down and they're going to start moving away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that you go and they have busted you. And, and you're a rifle hunter, and maybe you've come into an area uh, that, that you've hiked into, and you look up and you see elk heading towards the trees, right? I can tell you this, most of the time, especially depending on the bus, but just about 90% of the time before they go into the trees, they they're going to stop and look back, all right? So you need to be, and the problem is when you have a herd, if you're rifle hunting, and let's say you're cow hunting, or if you're bull hunting, and that bull's going to trail them on the back end, when they go, you have to start picking out that animal where they're at, and you need to check your background, or you need to check to make sure there's no other animals there, because you are getting ready to get another shot opportunity, but you got to make sure that you have a clear shot opportunity if that's going to happen. Now, that's talking to the rifle hunters right there, yeah. and I can tell you this too, rifle hunters, let's say you go in, and you see some bulls, and they have spotted you, and they go to take off too. You better lock and load, and you look where they're going into the trees at that point, and you get ready with your scope because those bulls are going to go in 10, 15, 20 yards into those trees, and they are going to stop, and they are going to turn and look back. They're going to, yep. kind of, they're going to have their body quartering away, but they are going to look back because they are checking their six. They're looking to see if they're being chased, and I tell you what, if they don't see anything, they're going to continue up there on top of that hill, and they're going to stop again. And they're going yep. to check. So uh, that's just some behaviors for you guys to understand that, that they do. Now. Yeah. You know, this year, Joe, when you shot your bull, <clears throat> we actually, you know, we could have not done anything else. And uh, those other bulls would have left. But we actually got on the on the cow call and a little bugle. And the bulls, there were three, four bulls in that deal. They all stopped and they came back. You know, oh. I mean, we done we done clipped two of, well, you done shot twice and called them back again and then called them back again and again. Right. So, I mean, if you don't do anything, you can't expect anything. So well, and, and we're you, aggressive you, anyway by nature. Yeah. And you, you bring up a great point too, because that's why it's so important to have always, even if you're rifle hunting, to have a diaphragm call in your yeah, mouth, because sure. if those animals start to take off and you cow call at them, uh, I have stopped a bull elk up to four times with shots happening at them. So that's always something for you to do. And I can tell you guys, as soon as they get up in the trees, those guys stop and they look back and they're going to give you that opportunity. So you've got to yeah. make sure that you're ready for that. Yeah. My, my first bull I ever killed with you, I shot that bull at 48 yards. He took off running out towards a pond Cow call. and, and, Joe cow called and then screamed a little bit at, and he stopped broadside at mm -hmm. 91 yards right? and gave us another opportunity to get another arrow in. That you know? sure, sure did, man. And yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have done that. He'd have probably just kept right on going through that pond and clean out the other side. And, but that, that call stopped him almost and allowed every, us to put another anchor on him. Almost every time that animal is going to stop either quartering away or 
they're going to be broadside. And the reason that is, is they want to look back. They're not able to stand directly (laughs) away from you and look back. And their vision's better head on than it is sideways. Right. And they want to to check all of it. So even though they can run away from you and if, if they're moving, it's hard for them to see movement. So that's that's why all the, they always stop and they, they want to keep their body to where they can still run in that direction by just a quick push off. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're most of the time they're going to turn and they're, they're going to look back at you. So you're going to have that opportunity and you can, their masters are picking up, their masters are picking up movement when they're stopped, right. They're masters of it. So that bark, that's exactly what they're looking for. Some type of movement to affirm that this fight or flight thing they got going on needs to go off and, that head cow or lead cow or sentry is going to alert everybody. And that ain't what you want. Well, I can for, tell you that. For you guys, for you deer hunters out there, whitetail muley hunters, Ooh. man, that's that bark is pretty much that same thing as when that deer starts stomping their foot and when they, you know, when they blow out. I told you what we do with them. <laughs> we can't let them teach the herd to do that. <laughs> so it, the thing is, too, guys, is – understand that that bark what they're doing is they have seen a movement and they're they are saying hey show yourself we're not sure what you are okay and but what if a bull barks you know same thing i i tell you if you want an opportunity bark right back at that sucker and then use some calls back in the back bouncing back there real light to make him think that there's some other elk over there Mm -hmm. then that's what he's seen you might have an opportunity so what if you spook a cow uh when you're you're stalking in on a bull right and you spook a cow well if you have a cow that you spook and i've i've stayed with the herd from daylight I, i got on them actually in the moonlight shadowing them until I got on daylight, got in daylight, and I would have different, while I'm amongst them, I had different ones spook. When you have a cow that spooks, you can try a cow call, uh, and a lot of times that'll settle them down, or you can even, again, use some of those low guttural bull noises that makes other bulls think that she got kind of, she's kind of jumping off because there's a bull that's bothering her. Sure. Okay. You know, coming up, maybe giving Try a little cut horn. Or, herd. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. when they see that animal doing that movement and they hear the associate those noise, you got to tell the story. And the only story you can tell them is something has boogered or other than a human being. And you got to make it seem like it's a bull that, and you can do the same thing with that. If you like, if you have satellite bulls and you're calling in a bull and here you have satellites that have come into you first and they get ready to hit your scent line. Dude, as soon as I see him hit my scent line, I scream a doggone challenge bugle. I get nasty with it, and then I start doing some cow calls there. And what I want that other bull that's coming in that sees those bulls running to think, hey, that guy has a hot cow and has just chased them off. Because there are certain things in their body language that you've got to try to sell a picture with, okay? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, no doubt. You know, my bull that I killed this year, I don't think I get that shot off without you screaming at him. He just was going to be quick. And when you screamed at him, he went real slow. And what I say, he was, he was frontal. So when he pivoted, he didn't pivot all at one 
like right. real quick pivot. Right. When you screamed at him, when he started to pivot, you screamed at him and he went really slow, which gave me an opportunity to get to full draw, settle my pin and make the shot. Right. Whereas if we don't say a word, he could pivot really fast and I'd be and, looking and at turn. his butt. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be looking at his butt. You know? So what Gilbert's talking about y'all is, is that uh, on his bull this year, we brought a bull in bull was at 30 yards with a frontal and that wasn't a shot at that distance that we wanted to take, but Gilbert knew that that was a dead bull because that bull was standing, didn't have, we had the wind in our favor, didn't have any of us spotted. As soon as that bull decided to turn and walk away in either direction, I was going to freeze him. And what I did was I waited. We just had to be patient, be patient. And that bull would start to turn and he'd come back and look and start to turn and come back and look. He was cagey. He was, he was getting ready to turn and walk away. But as soon as he turned and he started to make that move and I got him in the position that I thought he was in, I screamed a bugle. It froze him. He turned his head and it, it's done. It's a done Lights deal. Out. Yeah. So yeah. Gilbert was great in knowing and being patient and wait until that bull went to make that turn and hear me scream a bugle before he drew. So that's another thing to think about. If, if that bull is right in front of you, for them to turn and walk away, they're not going to back out. They're either mm, going they're to, they, they got to pivot, man. And when they do that, that's a perfect opportunity for, yeah. Or I, I like to scream and draw yeah, if I'm man. if I'm solo hunting. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you 100. percent Learned something that I've used with other people. You know, I've, I've had Chav. You know, when he draws, scream a I scream a bugle. It stops the bull in their tracks nine nine times out of ten, and they're not focused on the hunter drawing. Uh, but that bull was good, and they pivot so fast. They can pivot from frontal to with their butt to you so fast if you don't get them to stop, you know? Right. So they're just such athletic animals, Joe. And uh, the stuff that I've learned hunting with you guys, understanding EBD, right? Understanding elk behavior right. uh, is huge, man. Right. And reading their body language. Yeah. And, and um, that's coming. An alert so, bull. Yeah. That's on, that's language. on some of our futures there. And, sure, and sure. you know, Gilbert, this, uh, we went, we went long on this one and yeah. the, and there were two reasons we went long. Number one, it's our 50th. We wanted this to be yeah. something special for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and the other reason was, is I, I really think, um, one of ours, when we got in talking about kids and we got yeah. talking about mental toughness, yeah, guys, we're just going to give it to you. You know, you can either, we hope you enjoyed this one. You got a lot of content on here. A lot uh, look, of passion. Yeah. You know, and, and I hope you feel that. I hope you know it. And I, you know, I had somebody today that was talking about uh, our show Gilbert and, and uh, he was asking how it was going. I was like, I was like how proud I was. And he's like, you know, he says, so cool that you guys can share that wisdom. And he says, I, he says, I hope people understand they got to know y'all are the real deal. And he made me feel so good when yeah, he said it that. It makes you know? everybody feel good. No you know? doubt, Joe. Yeah. We're so, so proud to be part of this guys. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review. You go on Apple podcast or iTunes to review us. Uh, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. Please send us your questions. If you want to have a question answered, please send us send your questions. In. 
at info, that's I-N-F-O at BeltBros.com. You betcha. Joe, unbelievable time for our 50th (laughs) show on my 50th year of being on the face of this earth. (laughs) Really the 10-year anniversary of us hunting together. So, you know, couldn't have been better. So cool to have Chab back in the mix. Uh, Thank everybody for their prayers and everything. And, And, you know, in closing... For Joe in New Mexico, I'm Gilbert Ornelas here in Spring, Texas. Husbands, hug your wives, kiss your children, keep your broadheads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Chab, this one's for you, bro. Peace, peace. Always. anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv